Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake with you here at our Carrier Zone studio, studios at Vivint Arena. Austin Horton producing today, of course, and safely social distancing from Casa de Monson. The one, the only, Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Hello, Jake. How are you today? Good, good. How are you? We get our uh, our technical issues figured out? I think so. Oh, that's I think good. we did. All right. Yeah, I just saw a loose cord a loose cord here, a bad connection there and uh got those cords replaced and I think we're set knock on wood. Cuz I just saw Johnny Lightfoot and he diagnosed it as operator error. He did not. <laughs> <laughs> I did just see Johnny Lightfoot though. That did happen. Movie Zone. Catch it tonight, 7 o'clock. Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad we got to figure it out. That's uh, good news. How are you? I am doing well. How are you today, Jake? Uh, our state of Utah not doing so well with 911 new cases of COVID, but uh, that's uh, got Austin triggered a little bit. Uh, do we have an Austin's list today? We could, yeah. Triggered uh, is okay. such a good word for Austin. Doesn't that uh, doesn't that have some sort of uh, new meaning online though? Triggered isn't that a thing? Oh, I don't know. I'm not woke, as they say. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the the <laughs> online lingo, but I think triggered is out there somewhere. Um, but and what uh, does that mean on? What does that mean online? What did you? I don't know. I I've just seen it. What is it? What did you mean it for Austin? I meant that he's kind of fired up. Okay. Anything uh, you want to get out there? Austin? I will not apologize for being passionate. Okay. He used the word triggered. Yeah, I don't like that word. Uh, but, uh, well, Austin, anything we can do to, to help you out? You need to, you, We need to do, like, seance well, music or something for I'm Band not of sure. the Day today? I'm not sure. Something to level you out? We need someone who's qualified to tell me what I can do to calm down because I tweeted out today, today is a go-to-war type day. Oh, boy. Everything and everyone has me mad today. So Maybe drugs are the answer. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Maybe we would get Austin a sedative, <laughs> something to you know take the edge off of the day. Stonehaven Dental. Committee yeah, maybe so. Maybe I need to visit the dentist. The gas. <laughs> That's exactly what you need. Austin is uh, laughing gas. Oh, it'd be amazing. Hmm. I mean, for my dental work. Of course, yes. Uh, go see the fine folks at uh, at Stonehaven Dental. Uh, well, I'm sorry you're having a, a one of those types of days, Austin. We'll see if we can't. Uh, Get you off the ledge. Maybe we try and have some fun. I am excited about the movie zone tonight, though. Oh, yeah? Because there's some great things happening uh, in the movie world that we'll tell you about. All right. Well, I like the poll question, your your uh, favorite fall movie. you have any thoughts, Gordon? 
Well, I, I'm still trying to think of what Austin is hinting at here. Are you talking about the breakthrough in streaming and how profitable that can be? Nope, not that, no. I'm talking about new movies that you can go see in the theater safely and responsibly at the Megaplex Theater. Oh, okay. All right, that's good news. Favorite, All right. Favorite fall movie, Gordon, go. What do you think? You mean a movie that's coming out this fall? No, or no, no. Mean... Like a movie set during the fall. Maybe it's a Thanksgiving movie. Maybe it's a Halloween movie. Really, any movie that makes you think of, of the fall. fall season. Beginning yeah. of school kind of movie? Wow. Well, uh, it's not my favorite movie, but it's a movie that comes to mind, so I got so I don't have in, I'm I'm not standing here with my pockets empty. Rudy reminds me of the fall. Okay, yeah. Let's see, that's a good example. Absolutely that counts. Can't believe that's your favorite movie. It's not my favorite movie. That Can movie you believe bugs that's me. Gordon's favorite movie? That movie bugs me on a lot of levels, but I do recall one scene where the movie where the camera is is moving upward over Notre Dame Stadium, and you can see the change in the fall colors. And I had a very positive experience uh, going back to Notre Dame on a couple of occasions to cover games back there. And uh, the campus, the colorful leaves on the trees and falling down on the ground. And just, it was absolutely stunningly beautiful. One was for BYU's victory over Notre Dame. Uh, when was that? Like 94 or something, I want to say. Uh, that was a, that was a nice win for the Cougars. And, uh, the second was, uh, when BYU got absolutely destroyed by Notre Dame. Uh, so, yeah, you know, the glory comes and goes, but, uh, what a place that is Notre Dame. If you ever get a chance to go back there, Ute fans had a chance to go back there. Wasn't that a miserable rainy day for the Utes, and they lo- did they lose that game, if memory serves? Uh, do you remember that, Jake? Oh, I'm sorry we asked. I don't remember what the weather, no. Just well, wanted I to know what movies about fall, fall you like. Well, 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 what's the matter with that? Well, you, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you asked. And you said, Open your ears you and said, you might learn a little something. <laughs> your answer what? was Rudy, but then you said you don't really like that movie. Yeah, did they steal the screenplay from one of your columns? Or yeah, what, what's I, your issue I, with Rudy? I tell you. I it was said that Notre Dame and, and Notre Dame's campus is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, but what did, what's your issue with Rudy? I don't know. It's just kind of cloying, if I remember correctly. I mean, I haven't seen it in years and years, but and I don't know. It's it's fine. What does cloying mean? That just kind of bugs you. <laughs> I did like, you lo- I like the movie. Disgust or sicken someone with an excess of sweetness, richness, or sentiment. So your favorite yeah. fall movie is Cloying? <laughs> I didn't say it was my it favorite. I said it wasn't my movie. favorite, but I did say that it was a movie that reminds me of the fall. And it happens I mean, to be they, his favorite movie. Rudy, Rudy's a good story. What's the matter with it? It's just, you know, maybe it's not the most factual thing, right? Didn't Joe Montana complain about that? But it's still, it's a good movie. It's, a, it's okay. I, it's okay. It's Rudy. Better Sean Astin role, Rudy or uh, uh, Samwise Gamgee? It's got to be Samwise Gamgee, but even though I, I don't care for that. those movies. No, oh, I love those movies. You didn't see Lord of the Rings? They're Gordon's favorite movies. Oh, is that his character? I I don't know. I saw I saw, I saw one of the Lord of the Rings movies, and I saw I believe I saw The Hobbit. Is he in The Hobbit? He is not in The Hobbit. He is in a good episode of Monk, however. 
Um, we have a uh, we have a lot to do today, Gordon. Uh, we're going to talk to our friend Sam Amick uh, coming up a little bit later on. He's still live in the bubble. Uh, of course, he writes for The Athletic. Bob Casper is going to be on the show today as well. Give us a little uh, U.S. Open update. Have you been following along today, Gordo? Yeah, it's good to be Justin Thomas. Uh, it's a long way to go yet, but uh, he played uh, exquisite golf today. Patrick Reed, one shot behind him at, at four under. Is he the one nobody um, likes, Patrick Reed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is he just a jerk, or is he what's what's his deal? What's the story? Why? I don't know. Is he the one that that like his parents come to watch him play, but he's he's <laughs> disenfranchised himself from his parents, so they have to like sneak onto the course, or they have to buy tickets or whatever. Yeah, I can't that confirm him? that, but that sounds familiar. Maybe that's somebody else. Anyway, uh, Rory well, McIlroy right there on the leaderboard as well. Your guy. Uh, I think- hey, uh, here's a shout-out to Preston Summerhays. How about that? Isn't he still a teenager? He's the youngest player at the U.S. Open, uh, Utah's own. And uh, although, does he live in Arizona? I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, two over. Can you imagine being a teenager going to the U.S. Open at Wingfoot and, and suiting a 72? Uh, no, I cannot. Uh, Tony Finau is even, right, through nine so far. We can... Keep you updated on this uh, throughout yeah. the day. Uh, Gordon, your boy Phil is two over through eight. Oof. Tiger is three over, isn't he? Uh, yeah, three over. He's he finished. F- yeah, he's finished for the day. He had a 73. So I'll tell you, U.S. Open, I know everybody loves A lot of people really like the Masters, but I think that if you win the U.S. Open, man, you that, that's, that's, that's the top of the hill, isn't it? No, disagree. Don't like the U.S. Open. Why? Because it's stupid how hard they make the course. It's stupid. It's our national championship. So how they design the course and how they make it. I don't want to watch pros chip out of the rough. That's dumb. I want to see birdies. Although we did see birdies today. So, you know, five under Justin Thomas, 65. I mean, that's an incredible round. So uh, I'm speaking for the most part. If you want to see birdies, then watch the Shamrock Meets Open. Uh, You know, I mean... (laughs) This is a test of golf, man. Whatever. I, I don't want to watch pros struggle. It's not my thing. I want to watch golf to watch good golf. I want to watch golf to, to watch great golfers make great golf shots. And by the way, why do we have to say golf shot? Can we just say shot? Doesn't that cover it? <laughs> I want to see great golfers make well, great shots. That's what I want to yeah, see. I want to see, just, I want to see birdies and eagles to win it. I want to see movement on the leaderboard. I don't want to see them suck. I could go down to the old Muni and watch people hack it up. That's no fun. The U.S. Open is Just dumb. You don't have to shoot nine under to play good golf. Sometimes, you know, I mean, today, Justin Thomas, five under on that golf course, that is great golf. Yeah. I'm speaking about the U.S. Open on the whole. Yeah. That's why it's my favorite, because I love to see millionaire, uh, privileged, entitled elitists cry and lose a lot of shots. I like to see. Why that. do you call them privileged elitists when they've worked their butts off to be great at something and they're the best in the world? Why, why, why you gotta? Why, what's the deal with that? Not everyone can afford to be a great golfer, is what I'm getting at there. Okay, so maybe they had some privilege, but that doesn't mean that they so, haven't absolutely, you know, worn their bodies out, out on the range, out on the golf that's course. Their, that's their, their choice. That's their choice to do that, and that they should be commended for that. But uh, a guy like Tony Finau I'm on board with because he had to work his way into it. Everyone else that had all these private coaches at the age of three, I like to see them shoot 12 over par. That makes me happy. 
Yeah, but they still had to put the work in. Why do why had the opportunity? We to. don't apply this logic to any other sport. Like we we don't go, hey, I went to a basketball game and let's make it harder on them. Instead of the hardwood, we laid down ice. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Boy, if they could if they could win a basketball game on ice, then they're really showing something. Come on, we know we don't apply this to other sports at all ever. Why do we so apply do it to golf? Every, do you want do you want every golf course standardized? No, but I just don't need the USGA to make it overly difficult. That's ridiculous. Well, what, what, what's wrong with a little variety? Fine variety, <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about because yeah, you were celebrating the fact that the U.S. Open makes it so hard. And I don't like that. That's where that's where I'm at here, buddy. I didn't celebrate it. I, I just like the golf courses they choose. And the fact that Justin Thomas shoots five under. On that test of golf, sixty-five? Are you kidding me? That, that that what a round of golf! That's great. That should be celebrated. Do you think it makes the USGA mad that he's five under? Yes, Probably. which is stupid. Which is absolutely dumb. <laughs> this year's uh, tennis U.S. Open is going to be held center court. Is going to be surrounded by a crocodile moat. Let's see how it goes. It's really going to be difficult for these athletes this week. Come on. Every Dumb. Sport they make is it more. Jake. You know, you know, just because it's not standardized like you're saying it should be, that's, it. That, that's part of the charm I'm of it. I'm not saying it should be standardized, but why do they uh, take pride in going out of the way to make it miserable on those golfers? The the rough in golf, the rough is not three feet high. That is not a normal circumstance when it comes to a golf course they're doing that on purpose if you want to pick difficult courses fine feet, but don't don't high. pick a difficult <laughs> course and then dry it out for a week and a half which is what they've done here at uh, at wingfoot they're just saving water what's wrong with that <laughs> it's just Jake, a conservation in a drought. like that concept is dumb it's not dumb. It's, 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 they are challenging the best golfers in the world well, good you go on celebrating it i don't agree all right. Well, I'm sorry, it. but uh, Justin Thomas did shoot a 65 on that course today. Well, wait till Sunday when they unleash the bears on the players. <laughs> then I'd, I'd <laughs> then I'd really like to see him shoot a five under. Watch out for the ninth fairway. It's lava. After they unleash the wolves, <laughs> there's a pack of wolves Time parading to, around on this Sunday. Here, ankle. Let's golf. see him <laughs> shoot a five under now. <laughs> He's been mauled by a pack of wolves. He's limping to the 17th tee. Privileged elitist. <laughs> Wait a minute. Austin, I really got a problem with what you're doing there. Why do you, I mean, what, what, why, you know, just because if, if you show great talent in golf at a young age, believe me, you're going to get, you're going to get sponsors. You're going to get opportunities that, that you don't necessarily have to pay for yourself. Yeah, I I don't think that, that it can be disputed that if you have an opportunity uh, because your parents are of wealth to be better at golf than someone else who doesn't, that you have a leg up, and that bothers me. It just does. Well, that's true for almost all sports You're these right. days. You're absolutely right, and it bothers me across the board. Because I, I, I think there's people out there that don't get that opportunity because they can't afford it, and I think that's wrong. Uh, However, there are there are I've seen it happen time and time again where somebody who may not be all that privileged, but they show enormous talent early on. People come in to to help them along. Yeah, and then they make a movie about him, and you hate the movie. It's called Rudy.
So, <laughs> so what'd that get him? Rudy wasn't very good. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Patrick Reed's wife is his caddy and coach? Oh, really? Well, That's that, kind of cool. That could be awkward. That's not cool. What? What do you mean it's not cool? What's the matter with that? <laughs> hey, you think she's qualified to be his caddy and wife, uh, caddy and coach? Well, obviously he trusts her, so he, you know, he's got that going for him. You know what? It's kind of like hiring family members to be your attorney. Just no. Do you think he or or hiring your dad to be your agent when you're coming out of college? Yeah. Like... Wait, wait. Wasn't the celebrated Tony Fee now? You, it was his brother caddying for him for a while. Who was also basically a professional golfer, but yeah, I mean, if we're talking so about nepotism, it's a family member, and he just fired him. He did. Yeah, like they a, parted like ways, like a Jake. month ago, maybe two yeah, months ago. Yeah. Do you he think... fired his brother? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a little. Uh, that's going to make but, uh, family but see, dinner a little weird. It's exactly, which is one hundred percent the point. Think <laughs> Patrick ever. Turns to her and is like, he wants to second guess the club suggestion, but he goes, I don't want to hear about it on the ride home. She could be the worst caddy. She could think they're playing croquet and he couldn't fire her. Kind of like when your wife says, I think we need to paint the house. (laughs) And you say, I don't think we do. But then you're like, I don't want to hear about it. So you just say, yeah, go ahead. No, that's that's not what I said. I didn't say I don't want to hear about it. I said I, I want whatever's going to make you happy, please. <laughs> exactly. Well, she says not, she says nine iron. He thinks six, but he goes whatever makes you happy. Yeah, but the golfer always <laughs> has the final say. She might not be his caddy all the time. I'm reading further into this, so that might not be a thing. Oh well, that's too bad. She's I caddied just, for him before because there's pictures of it. Austin, these guys work their tails <laughs> off for what they accomplish. I, I don't like diminishing, uh, you know, people who work hard to be great. You don't have to. I will. <laughs> okay. Man. Uh, hmm. Yeah, no, I. so that's good. His wife is not his caddy. That's a good thing. That would be awkward yeah like you can't hire your wife you know in my case to be like let's let's say i did uh, get into some uh you, you know trouble with the law i'm not hiring my wife what if we lost all right then you lose what do you mean then they what if it was her fault we lost what if you go to prison because you lost you don't have a whole lot of faith in your wife's ability that's not the discussion that's not the point you're, yeah, it is. No, if you know, if you know, if you know that your wife is going to represent you as well as anybody possibly could, no, nope. what's the problem? Not hiring her. Not to be, not to be your attorney. Two, she's one. She's too close to the situation, especially for that job. You guys have a lack of faith. It's not a lack of faith thing. I can't believe you're you're criticizing us for this opinion. It's certainly not a lack of faith, of faith thing. It's that you're going to be upset if you lose. If you have a crappy case to begin with, you're going to be upset with your representation? No, I want my representation completely independent. I don't want them to have personal feelings at all. I want a (laughs) shark who's going to go out there and ruin lives for me because I'm paying him or her, too. I don't want a a family member who I have to worry about being ethical and keeping her license. I want to win. And if I happen okay. to lose, I don't want to have to have that resentment that comes along with uh, such thing. If, you, if your wife is your caddy and you lose the tournament because she handed you a five iron on a on an eighty five yard shot, <laughs> like I don't well, want to want to build up that resentment. No, that's your fault. 
because you look at it and you say this is a nine, this is a nine iron, not a five iron, and you put the five iron back. But then you, like like people like you, say you don't have faith in your wife. No, anybody makes mistakes. That, but but that's the caddy's job, and you had, shouldn't have to correct that job. It's it's well, like who's what to if say, you hire? Who's to say you're going to have to correct it? She might give you the right club every time. It's. It's like this isn't. I shouldn't have to do this myself. Like if you hired your your son or daughter to fix your car and they had no idea what they were doing, so you had to do it yourself anyway because you wanted to be nice. Like well, you no. don't you don't hire your wife to be your caddy if she doesn't know what she's doing. Mm. You hire her if she knows what she's doing. I'm not surprised. I suppose that this is your take on this. But, oh, this is funny. Uh, I, I just I don't see the difference. If your wife is every bit as capable as somebody else that you would hire to be your caddy, then what's the matter with having her on the back? We know you don't see the difference. And here, I'll, I'll take it this far. If I tried to hire my wife as an attorney, she'd go, absolutely not. You can't afford me. <laughs> not, a, not a chance. <laughs> okay, so where do you draw the line between the jobs that you feel confident, uh, you know, having your wife do as opposed to the ones that you don't want her to be a part it's a of. No, oh, I'm perfectly happy and content with our separate careers. Thank you very much. Well, I, so it's only at the professional level. Everything else, if she says, hey, I want to fix the car, you're going to say, okay, fix it? Uh, if she knows what she's doing. Well, okay, then. That's my point. What if we're, uh, we're not talking about that, though. A caddy relationship, that is a very professional relationship where you have a, a lot of career stuff on the line. Well, if she's your coach, then you must trust her to begin with. <laughs> okay, okay, in your 100-acre wood. Go ahead no, and believe that. No, I just don't see the difference. If, if your wife is every bit as capable as anyone else to do the job and you want to spend more time with her, and you feel like she is going to bolster your chances to win? You don't think your judgment on making that uh, decision would be just a tad bit clouded? <laughs> your your ability to decide whether or not that's true wouldn't be just a tad affected by your personal feelings? You don't, you don't think that would be a problem? No, because ultimately it's always up to the, the golfer. It's up to the player to make the final decision. Like, <laughs> you are the, crazy. The, 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 the goal, it's true. You are crazy. The, no, no, you think Tiger Woods is going to sit there and talk to his, his uh, caddy and his caddy's going to say, I think it's an eight iron, and he's saying, no, it's a wedge? But that caddy's not his wife. <laughs> That's different, man. And the fact that you can't see that is is oh, interesting. Even on. Doc Rivers no. ev eventually traded his son <laughs> because the wife still has your best. If she's again, she's got to be capable. It's going to be up to the job, but she, she's not going to give you bad advice if she knows what she's doing. So let's. But let's I've, say I've seen that a you... lot of cases. I've seen a lot of cases where caddies giving advice to a player and a player says, I think I'll, I'll do this. And, and the caddy acknowledges that and says, okay, yeah, it's your, your decision. Okay. So let me you're ask the player. Let me ask you this. Let's say you decide that this is a good idea that, that you and Lisa are going to, going to go out on tour together, caddy and golfer. And uh, you, you, you deem her qualified. And uh -huh. then let's say three, four tournaments in, it's going really poorly, and it becomes very obvious that she's not. And she would know that as well as I would. Oh, you're crazy. All right, stay tuned. We'll actually get into sports coming up next. It is the big show. We're talking about the latest of the Pac-12. <laughs> Give Straight me the ahead. seven iron, honey. Give 97, it to me. 97, 5, and 1280 The Zone.
Bill Gordon, Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. Band of the Day today is Post Malone, selected by Gordon and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at uh, LiveNation.com. Kind of funny, I, I think Post Malone might have been the last live performance here at Vivint Arena. Don't quote me on that, but all the napkin things that are still out there in the concourse, I'll still have the Post Malone on them. I think it was oh, postponed. Oh, was that it what it is? was going to be. They yeah. were promoting it, and it got postponed? I believe. Is that, that right, That would Gordon? actually make more sense. I think I was, I was thinking I was going to go to that concert, but uh, did not go. Uh, yeah, I don't remember it being held. I could be wrong on that. I don't know. Uh, that makes sense, because so. maybe it was just the promotional stuff, because I always uh, see that out there in the hallways here at, uh, mm-hmm. at Vivint Arena. It's kind of like a, a reminder of just how lame life really is, because it's like, oh, I remember when there were concerts in the world. <laughs> I remember yeah. when I enjoyed watching live music with my friends and family. God, weren't those the days? Those were the days, man. They will, they will arrive again. I know you they can will. get back out on the road with Kenny. <laughs> now, Post Malone, somebody I would go see, and of course I, I really like Old Dominion. You know that, uh, Kenny. I, I I enjoyed a couple of times. Uh, I'm not I'm not uh, following him around, but anyway. How far have you? Uh, what's the farthest you've gone to to see Kenny? Didn't you go to like uh, Houston or something? No, we saw Kenny in Boise, near Boise. Boise, Maine? No. Okay. Oh, yeah, Boise, Idaho, because you drove. (laughs) We did. uh... And PK didn't give you any gas money. He tricked you into driving and then stiffed you on the gas. Yeah, that's true. That's a true story. Uh, You know, I never saw any money. I don't know if my wife did, but um, it's okay. It was all, all in a good time. I, I just, because uh, I remember talking about this at the time, that just violates road trip, uh, what's the right word, road trip protocol. So how do you handle that if somebody doesn't handle And maybe maybe Jackie, maybe she gave it to Lisa. I, I, I don't know. You say, hey, Kinahan, saw- get out your wallet. There's a term called tax collector. <laughs> say, Wait, Google it. Okay, but when do you do that? Do you do that before the trip or do you do that after the trip? What's the appropriate way to handle it? Well, when you're usually, alone away from public. Usually it would be just common courtesy for somebody just to say, hey, you're driving. I want to buy a couple of tanks of gas. But if that doesn't happen, when you pull up to the first gas station to refill, you turn around and look in the back seat and just go, hey, buddy, how about you pick up this tank, huh? <laughs> See, hey, traveler, how about, I, I, uh, how, about we, uh, how about you pick up a tank? I'm just not, uh, I'm not pushy in that regard. I, I, I don't know. I, I just have a hard time getting myself to collect like that man i i certainly would but then again whenever i go on road trips with friends i always say hey how about i uh, pick up a tank here <laughs> how about i get this one this one's on me thanks for driving friend can i get you a snack inside i'd love to get you a coke yeah absolutely i'm happy i'm not putting miles on my car so i i'd, I'd be stoked to pick up a tank of gas that'd be great yeah, well, uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate people who are like that. I have, uh, too often times, I've played the role of the banker at a group lunch 
or something with a bunch of associates, work associates. And if you ever notice, whoever is the banker ends up getting ripped off in a major way. I remember one time I was collecting from everybody. I wasn't making a big deal of it, but everybody's sort of throwing money into the pot. And my bill, I think I came up like 50 bucks short. So I, I had to cover that. Well, get out the get out the calculator, Gordon, and start busting some chops, man. <laughs> uh, I guess I don't know whether it's worth it. Well, and I'm, then there then there are those who always overpay. I, I I mean I've seen both sides of it. I just There's, really think PK should be ashamed. That's all. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to do, shame PK? Well, I think you should have twisted his arm and said, "Hey, money bags." We're headed to Boise. That's not a short trip. Uh, real quick, Gordon, let's let's get into sports. We really need to. Uh, big, obviously, yesterday was a crazy day. Um, between the politicians and Larry Scott and what happened with the Big Ten, it, it was it was you know we played uh, Governor Newsom's comments on the <laughs> on the show yesterday, which I think is the first non Utah governor to make an appearance on our show, uh, if memory serves, uh, in clip form. So how about that? Good for you. Uh, there, Governor Newsom. Uh, but today, Gordon, John Canzano uh, has a column out um, in the Oregonian, and Canzano is going to join our show coming up tomorrow, which we're very excited about. Um, but he is critical of Larry Scott for um, now showing some urgency as opposed to when they made all that fanfare announcing their partnership with the the – Oh, what's that company? Uh, company Gordon. It starts with a Q. Anyway, the company doing the testing, uh, Quidel. D- that game changer day, uh, Gordon. I remember it well because I was broadcasting from the Jazz Team store up there at Smith's. Uh, but since that day, Larry Scott has done absolutely nothing. And then the Big Ten does something, and then all of a sudden, yesterday, the urgency is oh, well, actually, I'm too forward in the story. Larry Scott first blamed the politicians in California and Oregon, said, oh, boy, well, if these uh, wing nuts get out of the way, then maybe we can do something. Then the politicians' response was, we're not preventing you from doing anything. In fact, you haven't even communicated with us about playing football, which seems strange. And then now the Big Ten makes its decision, and the Pac-12 is kind of out there in the wind, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, yes, urgency, urgency. And Canzano's piece was basically like, what were you doing between Game Changer and yesterday? And Canzano uh, speculated taking a nap, which which might have been true. But if they were dealing with uh, with regulations, government kind of uh, stipulation and whatnot, I, I it's hard to blame him for. Uh, now, maybe you think he could uh, bend those things around. I didn't know what the governor yesterday was talking about. It was confusing what he said because uh, wasn't he essentially asserting that uh, teams could practice? But meanwhile, didn't they have the 12-person uh, limit? Yeah, but, but here's here's really the, the point is nobody even asked him about it. Yeah. That that's that's kind of what the the point that Canzano is making right there. Like, especially the Oregon governor was like, we have not heard anything from the Pac-12. When we get something, 
then we'll make a decision about it. But we haven't gotten anything from the Pac-12. You know, like the the in in California, the Niners have been able to practice and play. Well, because that's the the Niners reached out to the health officials in the government and said, "Let's make it happen." The Pac-12 did none of that. So that's that's what Canzano's saying is like, okay, you got the game changer, so the ball's rolling. Why didn't you get in touch with the like? There wasn't that governor uh, government interference that you're talking about, or at least well, that's according said, to said, the governors. Well, I look. I like criticizing Larry Scott because he's made so many bad decisions. But is that his fault or is that the president's fault? Uh, president Trump or president of the universities? The presidents of the universities. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Um. There, there's probably some responsibility there, I would say, but it, it, I would say it's Larry Scott's um, job to make the sausage, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's his job to hammer out the details. It's his job to lead the conference. So I see what yeah. you're saying right there, but presidents are really good at, at stamping stuff. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know if they're really good at the legwork. They're really good at the, I'd like to see that on my desk. This looks great. Stamp. You know what I mean? Well, if Larry Scott did nothing, then that, yeah, that's on him. He needs to be doing something because he needs to represent the conference, right? It may not be his ultimate decision on what what happens and what doesn't because that's left to the president's. But he, he sh- and I don't know whether he did this or not. Uh, apparently, John is saying he didn't. But uh, you'd think that he would have at least opened a line of communication with lawmakers. I think he was hiding behind the Big Ten the whole time. And I think that game changer thing was him seeing the Big Ten on shaky ground. So he's like, okay, well, we better, we better have something uh, ready to go if, we, uh, if things start going the other direction. And they did nothing by- until it went, it went the other direction. If he was hiding behind the Big Ten, then why did he make that big pronouncement a few weeks ago? I just said why. Why? Because he saw that the Big Ten was shaky. So he's like, if the Big Ten goes the other direction, well, then we have to have something to um, pave the way for us to do it as well. Uh, well, yeah, but... Uh... Here's a, let me read this paragraph to you, Gordon, from Canzano's uh, column. He says, The breakthrough should have logically been followed by immediate written requests in Oregon and California to clear the deck for a possible return to play. After all, the Pac-12 athletic departments have essentially spent the last six months in furlough and layoff hell. Anyone listening knew that without football, the Pac-12 athletic departments were about to land $60 million short. Why was nothing done? Where was the leadership? Okay, well, that's a fair question. <laughs> uh, they all, I can keep going. There's no way the Pac-12 didn't see the Big Ten Conference's decision to play coming either. The presidents of that conference held an emergency meeting over the weekend. One of them accidentally leaked the news in front of an open mic. It's why Wednesday was so blasted puzzling, because Scott and his conference looked unaware, unprepared, and they collectively lacked any semblance of al- uh, al- alacricity? No, I'm not. A-L-A-C-R-I-T-Y. What is that, Gordon? Alacrity? I don't know. Alacrity. Alacrity. Thank you. Sorry. I I don't know how to read. Uh, Well, you would think that the Pac-12 would know what the Big Ten was doing. That's his point. Yeah. So why, why, why did Scott yesterday, why was his initial reaction to throw California and Oregon under the bus? And then California and Oregon both turn around and go, we... We're not preventing you from doing anything. 
You haven't even talked to us. How do you know what you can and can't do? You haven't even gotten the ball rolling. I think Canzano makes a great point. That seems odd. Because if you're the commissioner of a conference, I I would be burning up that phone every other day, you know, uh, seeing what could be put into place. Uh, I agree with you, and I agree with what John's saying. That's kind of his job. And, again, he he may just be – uh, you know, working for something that the presidents will not agree to, but he still has to work it. And then if there is that opportunity, then he turns to the presidents and say, hey, we have this opportunity. Let's vote on it. This this may be my favorite part of the column, by the way. He says, I don't know where you stand on Pac-12 athletes returning to play. Maybe you think they have no business on the field. Maybe you think if it can be done safely, it should be done. But if the Pac-12 conference wanted to play football, the silliest reason possible to rush back on the field is simply because everyone else was doing it. But that's essentially what happened, and the scramble on Wednesday underscored the need for true leadership at the top of the conference. That's a strong point. I can't argue that. So, uh, and I, I don't know. We both, I suppose, been complaining about lack of leadership in the in the Pac-12 for a while. But it does lead you to look at it and go, well, you knew you could have done this safely a couple of weeks ago. And that was the reason you weren't doing it. So what other reason would you have to possibly delay? And then he's totally right. When the Big, Tw- Big Ten decides to reverse course, he should have known that was coming. But he apparently didn't or was not prepared or... yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but it's interesting. He tried to throw politicians under the bus, and then they <laughs> they reacted like, why are you throwing us under the bus? That isn't right. Well, I guess uh, we can argue these points back and forth. The question is, are they going to play football or not? You know, Are, are they going to get the thing done now, regardless of who is leading the way? Well, why this is and- costly is because now they can't – they don't have the turnaround time to get it done in time to satisfy the college football playoff committee. So they drag their feet just why can't the Pac-12 because they're going to be at least a week behind the big 10. And since they haven't been pushing the envelope in California and Oregon, there are football programs that are, are saying, I mean, uh, Bruce Feldman, and we can talk about this later. Bruce Feldman in the athletic has a bunch of anonymous coaching quotes uh, from coaches in the Pac-12 that are like it, it is not realistic to have our program up and going in a month because they haven't been doing anything. I mean, Utah at least has had the ability to do some walkthroughs and those sorts of things, which uh, the coaching staff has talked about. In California, they can't do any of that. Or Oregon. Or they thought they they couldn't. (laughs) Or they thought they couldn't. Great point. Great point. Maybe they could have. Right. Maybe Maybe everybody was was on vacationing. Maybe they were taking advantage of that furlough time. So... I mean, it's it's but see here. Here's what I was I was trying to operate yesterday. I should get over all of this crap and just be happy that they're doing it. You know, it's clunky and it doesn't make sense because it's the Pac-12 and they're clunky and they don't make sense. But at least they're making an effort to return. At least they're trying to do it. So, I mean, that's that's eventually where my opinion lies. But some of this stuff is ridiculous. And Larry Scott, I. I don't know. There's some people out there giving him an attaboy today, and I find that ridiculous for a lot of the reasons Canzano lays out better than I ever could. Well, we all have to come to our own conclusion, and maybe that happens at different times for different people. 
my my eureka moment was yesterday, and I explained that. And all the BYU fans out there who are saying I'm a hypocrite, uh, I'm sorry I changed my mind. It had nothing to do with who has an opportunity to play and who doesn't. It has nothing to do with blue and red. I came to a conclusion. And Jake, you've been harping at this uh, for a long time, and it finally clicked in with me. I'm still nervous about it because when I see that our state had 911 positive uh, cases uh, today. That it, it makes me nervous. I've always been really cautious. You know, that's the way I feel about it. And uh, but but if everyone is tested every day before they go out on the field, then that reassured me. Finally, it clicked in with me that that would be enough, especially with the uh, with the contract tace, uh, tracing and with the uh, rapid results that are available with this testing now, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, 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 it finally, I finally came to that conclusion. Now, whether school presidents in the Pac-12 have come to that conclusion or not, I guess we're going to find out. I, I, I don't know the answer to it. Maybe some of them do, maybe some of them don't. But we'll find out here pretty quick. Well, if Larry Scott were a good leader, and <laughs> that's a big if, then he'd have everything ready to go for the, the presidents to rubber stamp tomorrow. At, at what point did we think Larry Scott was a good leader? No, that's what I'm saying. I have no confidence yeah. that he'll actually do that. But the one thing Kevin Warren finally got right, and I know you disagreed on this the other day, but he had something to put in front of his conference that they could unanimously agree on to proceed united and not have the, the split in their conference like they did before, which was such a terrible look. That's maybe the one thing Larry Scott got right. At least he got all his universities on the same page. So he needs to have that ready to go tomorrow. And you hope that He's done that. But if Canzano's right and he was completely unprepared for it yesterday, that doesn't really inspire a whole lot of confidence. One well, you either way. Least, you have to at least know what the possibilities are, regardless of what the what, what the, the wishes of the conference, the presidents, whatever those wishes are. You have to know what you can possibly do. And if he didn't know that those teams could begin to practice – then, then that that's I got a problem with that. He's he's got to be informed enough to know whether they can proceed or not that from w- a legal standpoint. That would be his job. That is you correct. Would think so that that would yeah. be part of the old description there. All right, we'll have more big show coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions backed by an industry leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st Century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Sam Amick will be on the show at 4. Uh, we're going to hear from Bob Casper at 4.30. We're going to replay Hanson Scotty's conversation with Brett McMurphy today at 5 o'clock. He was uh, very, very good. And, of course, Brett, one of the best college football reporters uh, out there. So make sure and stay tuned for that. Uh, all right, Gordon, I have, a, I have a quick story for you, and then we'll get to what's going on coming up next. All right? All right. We had uh, speculated whether or not players uh, from, say, California, who's had uh, high school football interrupted, 
would uh, would transfer or, or leave the state to play. We've heard some uh, anecdotal evidence about uh, some players coming here to Utah. I've heard some things around the high school football world. But uh, but get to the lengths that uh, that these parents are are going to, Gordon. All right, you ready for this? Okay, this is a, a four star uh, quarterback uh, who lives in Los Angeles or in that area. Um, he is uh, he's moving to Georgia to uh, to play high school football, but because of Georgia residency rules, Gordon, his parents are getting a divorce. They're, well, legal separation, I guess, is what they're calling it, so that uh, uh, they fit in the rules so that the, the dad, who's retired, uh, can move to Georgia with his son to play, uh, to play quarterback, and then uh, after this season is over, his parents will reconcile. Wow. We'll talk about going around the rules. Great lengths. So... Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, sure. Why not? Free college education, <laughs> four-star uh, quarterback. Yeah, what are you? You know, whatever. What's a piece of paper? <laughs> oh, come on. I, I I would find a different way. Does he have? What do you does mean, find that, a different way? way? You think they're doing this with a, when there's a different way? Well, isn't there a different state he could play in? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not as good of opportunity. Hmm. Maybe this is like some fully loaded all-star team that just needs a four-star quarterback. Maybe it's like the uh, 1996 BYU team. Okay, so because Sarkeesian I, transferred in, right? Because uh, what's his name? Walsh went to the NFL early, and that was a bad idea for him, by the way. And Sark uh, plugged right in. Maybe it's one of those types of things. Well, in our state, we have, and and forgive, uh, please, those of you who are not of that persuasion as far as religious beliefs go. But if you're, if you were uh, a Mormon or LDS, whatever, however you want to be referred to, if you're a member of that faith and you know that this is the plan, uh, can you continue to have relations with that person? <laughs> you would go down. They're that still way. married, right? It's a legal yeah, separation. Legal separation. Yeah. They're not divorced. Okay. They're legal separation. Okay. So that's all a go still. You know what I always because wondered I'm- about those semantics? Do you think the the uh, man or woman upstairs is fooled by that sort of thing? You know, ah, they like, got me again. Yeah, whoa, hey, <laughs> you were legally divorced for your kid to go play high school football in Georgia. Sorry. I'm all-knowing <laughs> except in this regard. In this, in the, I, <laughs> I rely on the state of California, and they're yeah. telling me that you were divorced. So tough yeah, luck for then- you. But Fill out this appeal. Go, yeah. But then you go, God's a football fan. He understands these things. Well, I thought, uh, you know, marriage in, in, in hey, not a religious guy here, so I, I correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. But I, I thought that marriage in that sense was about more than, say, just a piece of paper. <laughs> now, why you got to be asking questions that just confuse the facts? You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just picturing Saint Peter or whatever. Who's the one at the gate? Saint Peter. Saint yeah. Peter being like, let me check my records here. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's see here. Up oh, says you're officially divorced in 2020, and uh, uh, you were uh, together a couple of times after that. So sure, you cured cancer and saved yeah. lives, and uh, were and you leading were the free nation. Perfectly faithful to one another yeah. at the time, and uh, you know didn't even separate your bank accounts. But says here divorced. So 
<laughs> Hit the down button there. So what does that say for some a couple who are madly in love with each other for 50 years and stay true to one another, but they but they never really get married? Where are we going with that one? You tell me. This is out of my realm. I say awesome. good you on you. You mean, as you said last week, they've lived in sin for 50 years? I think we know where they're going. So is that 50 years of sinning, or is that 50 years of, oh, it's okay because you were true to each other, even though you didn't have the certificate? Read the Bible. What if the, the sin is part of, like, the spark in the relationship? Oh, now you're getting complex. This is such a ridiculous conversation. I mean, what does right. the honor code say? Yeah, but you got to admit, I mean, that who would have, 50 years ago, who would have thought of uh, uh, legally separating or doing a divorce or whatever you want to term it to so that your son could go play high school football? <laughs> you, you're saying that, that when they were etching out the rules that they didn't have that exception in mind? <laughs> I, I'm actually guessing that mom and dad are okay with a few months apart from each other. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. We're getting to what's going on coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.